Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast. My Embedded Executive this week is Peter Fredericks. He is the Vice President of Silicon Carbide for Infineon Technology. How are you doing, Peter? I'm great. How are you now, Rich? Very good. Thank you very much for asking. So uh, Silicon Carbide and GAN as well are things that are front and center right now, mostly for me and for you, because we're coming off the APEC trade show where, uh, I guess trade show is the wrong word, conference, where we were talking about this stuff pretty much 24-7 for a few days. Um so the first question I had, after speaking to many of the vendors there, it seems like previously there were predefined voltage levels for both gallium nitride and silicon carbide, and they seem to be overlapping. Um, GAN is moving up, silicon carbide is moving down. Is that just my own imagination? Is it marketing fluff from some of these guys who want to be able to sell more stuff, or is it real? Uh, well. What is definitely real is uh, the overlap around 600, 650 volt. Um, that's also where we have to add, in reality, also silicon. Um, and here also we uh, at Infineon basically have the products uh, in all three different technologies. While uh, we see for the higher voltages, uh, rather silicon carbide, not so much gallium nitride, also looking into the potential of gallium nitride compared to silicon carbide outlook. Um, it might be challenging for GAN uh, to keep your pace and uh, same for the lower voltages here, silicon carbide needs its justification. So for us, it's relatively clear, high power, high voltage silicon carbide, six, six, 600, 650 volt stuff, uh, all three technologies probably and below, yeah, gallium nitrate and silicon. So if I'm at 600 volts, which one do I choose? Yeah, it depends on your topology, Rich. So that's that's our the observation we have at the moment in the market. So you have many different kinds of power electronic solutions in this segment requiring switches. Sometimes with no focus on very fast switching and other applications, it's a focus on cost, on reliability, on long durability, and depending on those factors. Plus, of course, really the actual topology. Basically, the customer selects out of the wide spectrum. Huh? So I could give you concrete examples. So gallium nitride, typically hundreds of kilohertz, uh, totem pole topologies. This is a major playground for them, or those very fast DC-DC topologies. Uh, Single-stage PFCs, the old-fashioned ones, still being equipped with silicon or silicon carbide. So it's, again, it's uh, and sometimes even the, let's say, attitude of the customer mixes in. So we see really a good market for all three technologies. Okay. So you talked about a lot of the specs and characteristics, but what are the specific applications that are best suited for GAN and the applications that are best suited for silicon carbide? Yeah, so if you compare those two materials, so they are two distinct things where gallium nitride can do it better than silicon carbide. And this is, first of all, as already mentioned, very fast switching due to the very low gate charge. And uh, also the really zero reverse recovery, which is, uh, also for silicon carbide, very small, but uh, still measurable. Uh, but in the end, uh, for topologies like totem pole, then uh, there's a certain advantage uh, for gallium nitride plus of the whole 
segment of bidirectional uh, switches, which is uh, due to the lateral structure of gallium nitride, more or less, that it's playground. Huh? For silicon carbide, on the other end, yeah, as already mentioned, it's easier to achieve very high power rating, higher voltages, uh, scaling it also with respect to paralleling. It's not impossible in GAN, but easier to do with silicon carbide. Okay. What about the manufacturability of each? And I'm relating that back to the cost because you you talked about the cost factors. Um, where are we with the, the maturity level and where it stands from the ease of manufacturing? Yeah, let's start maybe with the maturity level. So here, uh, uh, common sense, I think, in the community exists that gallium nitride is claimed to be five to eight years behind silicon carbide. Uh, that actually fits also to the uh, milestones with uh, rolling out first products, etc. cetera. Uh, of course, much more components is in the field based on silicon carbide. So the field experience we have is, is wider and broader. Uh, but uh, I think... Uh, for most of the manufacturers, meanwhile, the measures which have been implemented even in an early stage of a technology are good enough that uh, customers uh, should not worry too much about uh, about uh, yeah, maturity anymore. So with safety measures, you can do uh, or manage it. Regarding manufacturability, yeah, well, uh, silicon carbide, of course, is closer to the traditional silicon uh, technology also with respect to the uh, yeah, process landscape you need with respect to the structures we are using as vertical power devices. So, um, of course, we have our material part to, uh, to address with respect to cost. Epitaxy is special in silicon carbide, but epitaxy is also very special in gallium nitride. Uh, and in gallium nitride, we switch from vertical power components to lateral ones with also yeah, different design rules, um, different challenges uh, in in uh, certain processes. So it's a bit more, I wouldn't say, complicated, but different compared to silicon carbide. But again, manufacturing, meanwhile, uh, is more or less um, in a very good stage for both materials. So if I'm an OEM, one of the issues that I have is that a lot of these devices are fairly new and they don't have second sources. And many OEMs are saying no, because I mean, in, Infineon is who, who they are and and the likelihood of you not being able to produce something is pretty low, but there are others out there who don't have the backbone of an Infineon and the OEM to just say, no, if you don't have a second source, I'm going a different direction. Um, what do you say about that? Uh, I assume you're talking about second source for our customers, right? Yes, that is when, correct. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a uh, heavy discussion, which is always on the table, especially with the new products, as you already pointed out. Um, from my experience, uh, it is more severe if it comes to discrete products, because here alternatives are available. So here, typically, the discussion, even with electrical parameters matching, basically, also uh, third-party or products in order to have a second source that is uh, very let's say relevant yeah? uh, but if you go into the into the module world it's a bit different uh, so here many customers even if they start to claim from the beginning i need a second source even enter then uh, at least the first generation of products even with one single source and then look for the second source so Yes, it's an it's a valid topic, uh, but not necessarily always a blocking point. 
Are you saying that from an Infineon perspective or just from an industry-wide perspective? Actually, that's the experience I have made at Infineon, and I'm also sure that other, at least bigger players, also are able to grab sometimes 100% share uh, before a second source is going to step in. Uh, I think this uh, one well-known example is uh, driving around the world uh, in form of an electric vehicle, where the second source discussion uh, was started later after the introduction of the first product order. Okay. Now, some of these devices were um, having uh, issues with availability. Um, it, we just weren't able to get the components. Have, have we worked through those lead times now? Is is, is it getting back to um, what used to be normal or do we have to live with a new normal? I think uh, to a certain extent, we have to live with a new normal, especially for white band cap because the growth rates and the pull from the market is so strong that uh, even with the uh, um, fastest measures to increase capacities, uh, it will be very difficult here to uh, to fulfill the demands. Of course, uh, you might argue is there a, a, con a consolidation taking place where maybe customers will be distracted from white bank because of non-availability, switching back to silicon. That's a big discussion in the uh, community at the moment. Um, it might happen occasionally, uh, but still we foresee at the moment a continuous tight situation on the market. Good news is uh, that really the capacities are now going to be installed as fast as possible. Um, but uh, on the other hand, basically each and every quarter we, we see new numbers, new outlooks, and typically numbers go up. So okay. we will continue to fight here. Good. Uh, I didn't mention silicon components at all. Are those being phased out completely, or does straight silicon have, have a play for as long as we're going to be alive? I don't think so that they are going to be phased out for, for several reasons. Uh, uh, one is that uh, in power electronics, there are certain platforms and applications with very long lifetimes. Uh, so we will continue to serve the market with uh, silicon components. This is uh, definitely uh, a clear strategy. Uh, in, for certain applications, uh, you even still have the chance to to improve silicon technologies, even for high power, for low power anyway, uh, this, uh, this MOSFET world in silicon. Okay. Uh, so therefore, um, at least we continue to work on silicon and to keep here our, our customer commitments in place. That is no doubt about it. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter. That certainly answers all of my questions, at least for now. You're very welcome, Rich. That was Peter Fredericks. He is the Vice President of Silicon Carbide at Infineon, and I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.